you ever heard that old phrase, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks? It is hard to teach an old dog a new trick. And sometimes it's hard to teach a new dog new tricks because they're stubborn like toddlers. But there's also a real truth that young minds are easier to shape. They don't have all these preconceived notions. And they don't have that pesky little annoying nuisance of experience. I mean, you can tell a young mind just about anything. And most of the time, they'll believe it. Remember the old trick, I got your nose? And how many of them would reach for their face to look for their nose? And yeah, it's real easy to lead young minds. And leaders, well, they take action on that knowledge. They lead young minds because young minds are so much easier to lead than old, stubborn, experienced, tried, tribulated minds. Yeah, young minds are easier to lead, and a lot of leaders take action on that. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And maybe you haven't noticed this, but there are these mechanisms, well, to generalize all of them in one sum, uh, social media, that are very powerful and profitable tools for shaping the minds of a generation or two, or now we're pushing three. I know this because I have grandkids, and I have grandkids as young as one who will fight you to get your device. Now, I know they can't read. I know that linguistically they're just just barely on the edge of no and stop that and come here. And so all of the linguistics that you're hearing through these videos and these games and the various things that are happening on electrical devices, I, I know they don't comprehend them, but I know that they'll fight you to get their hands on them. And by the time they're three and four, they're not just watching the little videos with the animated puppy dogs. No, they want to play the full-out video games. And the video games are mind-numbing. They're fast-moving. Everything is changing in, in milliseconds. There are people living and people dying by the time they're 10 and 12 years old in these videos. It's amazing. But what's more amazing is the fact that there's not just the content of the game at hand. No. There's a lot more conditioning. Yep, I think that's the right word, conditioning. See, it's preparing these young minds to be told something at a later date. It's almost like the Manchurian Candidate. These, these notions are being planted deep in the psyche of these young people in the course of watching these videos, watching these uh, YouTube phenomenons. Not just the individual people, influencers who are creating their own content, but these pieces of content that have been thoughtfully developed with the psychology of all of the power of psychology and the psychology of young minds and older minds all woven together in a very powerful delivery mechanism that is the gateway of the eye and the ears to go right into the brain and leave ideas that <clears throat> maybe you do or don't disagree with. The question is, do you agree with them being supplanted into the mind of your children. I, as I tend to do, I was watching a documentary last night. The particular one, you can't take your eyes off the screen for a moment, which was a bad idea because it was late at night, just after 9 o'clock, and I was starting to doze off. 
and I would miss 20 or 30 seconds at a time, but I would rewind. And the reason you have to watch closely is because this particular documentary is first-person interviews in German. First-person interviews in German, so what's on the screen is subtitles. Now, honestly, I can only trust that the subtitles on the screen are consistent, but having been around family members who speak German, I pick up a little bit, not enough to say I'm conversant, but enough to go, yeah, those words seem consistent with what I'm hearing. Uh, they make sense. I can't prove it 100%. I don't speak German, but if I had a German translator, I'd love to know if the, the labels on the screen, the text on the screen, the subtitle on the screen truly matched the intent and the words of the people speaking, because if they did, we have a lot to understand. Now, this episode, this, this documentary, is called Final Account. And it's an interview with first person, with the individuals who were there, uh, who are now in their later ages, 60, 70, 80 years old, some of them. But they were 9, 10, and 11 years old when the Jews were exterminated by the Nazis. And it's really fascinating as you see some of the signs that were actually posted above grocery stores, above city gates that said, Jews are not welcome here. It's also fascinating because one of the stories firsthand was a young man who he and his brother were both recruited into the Nazi youth. One of them at 11 years old and one of them at nine. The nine-year-old later said, there was a time that my parents told me that what was going on was wrong and it was a bad idea, but I didn't trust my parents because my teacher had already told me they would say that. I trusted my school teachers more than I trusted my parents. And as it turned out, my school teacher was on the Nazi side and was on the right side in the war, and my parents were not. There was another who said, I was promoted to a leader because my leader, my Nazi youth leader, my Hitler youth leader, was sent off actually to the front lines to be in the battles to actually help exterminate the Jews. And so I was promoted to leader, but we had to fight boxing. We had to fight every day until blood was spilled. And they said I was too girly for that. And they took me out of leadership and put me back in the ranks. Now, these are stories of guys that are now men and women who are now in their late ages. They're senior citizens easily. But they recall firsthand the smell of the rising smoke. They recall firsthand witnessing people lined up in trenches and shot, then buried as another layer of humans was added to it. These are young people who at a very young and impressionable age were told, those people, they have a particular smell about them. They have a particular worldview about them. They have a particular mindset about them. And we need to be rid of them in the earth because of all the problems that they cause. Now, I don't know if you're an anti-Semite or, or pro-Jew. I don't know if you're anti-Republican or pro-conservatism. I don't know if you're anti-liberal or pro-left-wing reinvent the world. I don't know. Here's what I do know. If you as a leader begin to manipulate the minds of young people, you will find that they will do what you manipulate them to do. 
you will find that they will carry out acts. They will do and say and repeat what they've heard from you. And so my challenge to you as leaders is to guard your tongue. Guard your leadership. Guard your emotional responses. Guard your intellectual properties. One of the young men, now old men, but he was young at the time, 19 years old, according to him, noticed that when Hitler rose to power, the first thing he did was literally had either imprisoned or executed, the preference was executed, everyone who politically did not agree with him. For the sole purpose, as this man said, to ensure that there were no intellectuals who were able to lead a resistance. Let that sink in for a minute. They went after the brain trust first. They went after anyone who might have the mental capacity and wherewithal to lead a revolution. They went after those who intentionally said, I'm not up for this. I see one of these young men later found out that his grandmother was a Jew. He's already been in the process of exterminating Jews. He already owns the rhetoric on his own that these are people who smell. These are people who are a debt to society. These are people who will destroy the world if we leave them living. And now he realizes in his bloodline, in his family, a woman that he has held dear most of his life is actually one of those smelly people. How do you deal with that? See, the better question is, how did he not know that early on if it was true? And the reality is, obviously, it wasn't true. It was a lie. It was a deception. It was a manipulation that people that we gave access to our kids had the opportunity to put in there to plant the racism, to plant the hatred, to plant the factions, to plant the divisions. We give them access as teachers, as gamers, as influencers on social media, as people who have the opportunity and the right to speak into their life. We give them access to mold and shape the minds of our young people. And this young man witnessed firsthand what it's like when someone convinces you that those you know and love aren't worth loving. See, leaders, I, I, I want to give you this last story as, as closing. I, I was in the Congo the first time in 2015. When I was there, Barack Obama was the president. And I remember walking to the front of the room, and these are mostly men and women in their, I would say, 30s and 40s. But there were a few in their late teens, early 20s, who were representing or part of the staff of some of the parliament members that we were doing leadership training for. I remember walking to the front of the room and I, I had in my hand a knife and a fork and a spoon. And I held the three of them up and I said, which one of these three is dangerous? The murmur in the crowd, as I can only call it a murmur because I don't speak French either, the murmur in the crowd began to rise and, and they all began to respond, not in unison, but very close. And my translator said, well, they're saying the knife. So I took the knife from the three and I threw it on the floor and I watched it for a moment, for several moments. And 15, 20 seconds later, people were standing up out of their seats and looking down at the knife and wondering why it was on the floor and realizing it was doing absolutely nothing. And I realized that they're now catching on that that knife. It's well, it's harmless. And so I said, well, if it's not the knife, then which of these two is it the spoon or is it the fork? 
And so they all kind of looked at each other almost to say, there's a game he's playing here, but we'll, we'll follow along. I think it's the fork. So I threw the fork on the floor next to the knife, and guess what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It laid on the floor useless, harmless, helpless. It just laid there. It did nothing. What a horrible demonstration. It's just laying there. That's not very dangerous. And then I turned to him and I said, I want you to know, leadership, like the knife and the fork, are tools. Just tools. See, with this spoon, I could gouge your eyes out or I could feed ice cream to an invalid. And it's not about the spoon. It's just a tool. And so is leadership. It's just a tool. It really comes down to the heart of the person possessing that tool. I want you to understand this. At the time, Barack Obama was the president of the United States, and I said both Barack Obama and the drug dealer on the street corner here in Kinshasa are both leaders. One leads the free world, and one leads a circle of criminality and life destruction. They both use the same tools, and it's really all about the heart of the leader. Folks, I want you to understand, as leaders, you have that same power. You also have that same responsibility. You will be the one who decides whether the content that you teach is true and valid, if it's helpful or hurtful. If you're presenting something that the future generations will benefit from, or you're presenting something that 40 years from now, 50 years from now, they'll look back at and go, how did that happen? One of the stories of the young men in the video that I've been watching was that at 16, when he first was promoted in the Hitler Youth, he went to a particular place. And as they put them on the inside, the train cars were unloading people on the outside. And they were what they were telling the people, the locals, was that these business leaders had been emigrated. And they were being emigrated somewhere else. Well, the place they were being emigrated to is where this young man was. And he and all the Hitler youth were inside the building doing their training. He heard a ruckus outside and he stacked a stool on top of a table and pushed them to the window because all the windows were high where you couldn't see out. He climbed up on top of the stool and the window just in time to see someone who had donated to charity that he had been raising money for was brought into the camp. Then he also watched others be executed executed, shot to death. He watched them through the window. And he said, it's wrong. I, I don't know why these people are here, especially him. I know him. Hey, you've got the wrong guy. And one of his cohorts said, don't say anything or you'll be next. Don't say anything or you'll be next. At 16, they understood. You'll either sit idly by and watch these people be victimized or you'll become a victim along with them. At that point, my friends, it was too late. At that point, the travesty had already unfolded. But when did it start? It started with the nine-year-old who said, I trusted my teacher more than I trusted my parents. If you're not paying attention, folks, those very words were said just in the last week. Just in the last week by leaders both in the administration and in the media that parents don't have the right to decide what their children are learning that's the job of the teachers and the government. That's a warning sign. Leaders, you are responsible for the information that you put into the minds of young people. You're responsible for the information you put into the minds of people that you influence. And you will be held accountable. Maybe not soon. Maybe not 
for generations. Maybe not until the other side of this life. But you will be held accountable. And those of you who have asked for the right, the authority, and the power to teach, you will be held even more accountable. Trust me, it's in there. Accountability is a big deal for those who lead, who teach, and influence. And I challenge you to ask yourself, am I teaching, am I leading, am I influencing in a good direction or only in a direction that's to my own benefit? Take that issue to heart as you lead, especially young minds today. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.